0: Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the Seattle Mariners Baseball Podcast.
1: I beat Stop Singer. Toss on off the first. In time to get seven. Three-run homer. Fernando Abad and the Mariners lead it five to four. Goodbye baseball. Straight away center field. Cano and Cruz go back to back.
2: And the king when the Mariners needed him the most. Two hits over seven. Scoreless
1: innings.
0: Now here's your host Gary Hill. Well that was pretty fun. Welcome back to the Seattle Mariners baseball podcast. There's a lot to like about Yesterday. Segura off the disabled list. Feels like they're back at full strength offensively. For really, I mean, the first time this season, the lineup intact. Lineup looking very strong and very long as well. Felix Hernandez coming back on Friday. Andrew Moore called up. He'll make his debut tonight. Sam Carlson, the second-round pick signing. Summer is here. And the Mariners are back at 500. That was a really, really good day for the M's. They've won four games in a row after beating the Tigers last night, and it was quite a win last night for a number of reasons. We'll talk about that in a second. We'll hear from Andrew Moore, who will be making his debut tonight in a Mariners uniform, former Oregon State ace. We'll hear from Sam Carlson and Scott Hunter as well, talking about the second-round picks signing. Also, we have a book review coming up, but it's a book. It's it's a book about baseball and Felix's perfect game that I think you'll really enjoy. So, a book conversation coming up later in the podcast as well. Let's get to the ball game though. This was well, we expected it was going to be a really good pitching matchup. Justin Verlander on the hill, James Paxton on the mound. Early in the day though, Segura gets activated from the disabled list. He's in the starting lineup. The amazing thing about yesterday for the Mariners, Segura, Cano, Cruz, Seeger, Haniger. going into yesterday, they had started exactly one game together at Safeco Field. So if you were at the game last night, you saw the second time all of those guys were in the same starting lineup. And what a lineup it looks like, especially with Gamble, who obviously that early in the season, it was April 10th when they played together, wasn't even on the roster to start the year in Tacoma. It, you had Gamble in the mix, and this lineup is very difficult to pitch to right now. And it, it's funny because we spent the day talking about how strong this lineup is, and then Justin Verlander just dominates early on. I mean, he is perfect. Through five and a third, and he looked dynamite. I mean, he's carving up, He's throwing 98. I mean, it was vintage Verlander. But there was one play in particular that changed everything, and we've seen it now from time to time. Dyson just wreaks havoc from time to time. When the Mariners are making late runs in ball games, he always seems to be in the middle of it doing something. Whether it's on the bases, getting on base, coming up with a hit, I mean a big catch. He just always seems to be in the middle of it. And there he was yesterday, a perfect bunt to start things rolling after the Mariners were trailing four-nothing. One-one pitch to Dyson Bunt takes oh. it
1: with him. First base side. Verlander can't get it, neither can Miggy. Tried to flip it. There's the first base hit as he breaks up the perfecto here. Second perfect bunt by Dyson this week. Going to the right side. Trapped it down on a 1-1 pitch.
0: So Detroit gets one in the third, one in the fourth, two in the sixth. So they're on top 4-0. Dyson the perfect bunt with one out. Mike Zanino would earn a walk. Segura would get a base hit. So they are loaded up for Ben Gamble. This was... Uh, Epic at bat, really good at bat by Gamble, who comes through with a big hit.
1: Pitching on, base hit, center field. Dyson scores, Zanino gets the stop sign, and the Mariners on the board. And again, Ben Gamble comes through for the Mariners. The Mariners on the board now. It's a 4-1 ball game, a 13-game hitting streak for Gamble. What an at bat.
0: Hitting streak continues, and he just continues to roll Cano would strike out on just a fierce 96-mile-per-hour heater streaking over the inside edge. So he goes down. But then Nelson Cruz comes up large. Deal. Pit.
1: Breaking ball. Swing on. Left field. And making the test is up. They can't get it. Scoring is Zanino. Scoring is Segura, And holding that. Third is Gamble. A two-run double. Nelson Cruz comes up big. And it's 4-3. The Mariners are right back in it.
0: So impressive as they get Verlander out of the ballgame with that double. They had his pitch count elevated. They load the bases, but Green comes in to end the Mariners' run. But they get to within one. Tony Zick on in the seventh. He gets a double play and a strikeout, ends things with a zero on the board. So it's still four to three, bottom of the seventh, and the Mariners would tie it up. Mitch Hanniger, one swing of the bat.
1: And a pitch swung on Driven. Deep to left. That's got some carry. Goodbye. Tie ball game. Mitch Henniger makes it a 4-4 game. Leading off here in the seventh inning.
0: 4-4 the score at that point. And then Dyson would line out to center. Mike Zanino would strike out. But then Segura would walk. Gamble another base hit. And this time it was Robinson Cano who breaks the tie.
1: Green swung on, driven right center field. There it is, baby! Cano, all the way to the fence, scoring is cigar. flying is gamble. He's gonna score. Robinson Cano, a two-run double, and the Mariners lead at six to four.
0: Big time, six to four. They take the lead, and it should not go unnoticed what the Mariners did in that inning with Shane Green. Shane Green came into the ball game. He has been he has been awfully good for the Detroit Tigers this year. He came in with a 1.64 ERA, 6 earned runs given up on the season. He'd allowed one home run, that was to Mike Trout. He'd allowed just 21 hits opponents batting a buck 79 against Green. And in one inning, the Mariners get him for four runs. He came in with 6 Mariners get him for four. He allowed one homer to Trout. He allows one to Hanniger. They had three hits in the inning against Green. I mean, they go to work on Verlander and Green, a dynamic double duo with nasty stuff, and they get him. They get them both, and they take the lead. So impressive. Nelson Cruz, too, after Wilson came on, he comes in and drives in another run
1: comes and a smoking line drive up the middle center field coming around third. Here's Kino. the throw to the plate cut off by Cabrera. Nelson Cruz delivers. It's 7-4 Seattle.
0: 7-4 Mariners a three run lead. Edwin Diaz coming on for the fourth day in a row. Gave up a base hit or gave up a home run rather to Kinsler but that was it. He closes it down. A 7-5 win for the M's. 7 runs on 9 hits for the Mariners. They've won 4 in a row. Now even 37 and 37 on the season. 10 games above 500 at Safeco Field. 6th best record in the big leagues at home this season. Big days all the way around. I mean contributions everywhere. Cruz a couple hits, drives in 3. Cano the big knock to drive in a couple of runs. Gamble two more hits. Segura back at the top of the lineup. He reaches twice, scores twice. Haniger in the seventh slot, two hits, including the big home run. Dyson, the bunt to get things going. I mean, just up and down the lineup, contributions all over the place. The bullpen gets it done again, three and two-thirds, allowing just that one home run after Paxton went five and a third and allowed three runs. That was a dynamite win for the Mariners, and they take the series. They've taken the first three games of this series. They have won the series, and now they look to get a little greedy tonight and try and sweep aside the Tigers in a four-game series. Before we get to that, though, let's hear from the skipper his thoughts on the big Mariners' win.
3: Really, that is a heck of an effort by our ball club tonight. I can't say enough. Uh, that's as good of, uh, a starter that we've seen all year. Verlander uh, was really on top of his game. Fastball had life. He was landing the curveball whenever he wanted to. It was just a, a point, you know, I was, even though we didn't have a hit, you know, going into the sixth inning, it was, uh, you know, you, you just, I like the quality of our bats. It was high pitch counts, you know, it was five, six pitch at bats, one guy after another. And, you know, and it was just a hopefully that we could kind of get him off his spot. You know, I kind of look at it as like the guy who shoots, you know, ten free throws in a row. You got to get him off his spot. And Dyson made a great bunt. And once that got going it gave our energy uh, – dug out a little energy and, you know, the bats continued and, you know, we got a few pitches to hit. But uh, everybody really, you know, chipping in offensively tonight. And, you know, with getting everybody back, you know, kind of look at what our original lineup was supposed to look at here, leaving spring training, it was awesome effort offensively. And, you know, our bullpen picked us up. I think that Paxton, stuff-wise, was much, much better tonight than what full time's out um you know not maybe quite as sharp didn't get great results you know as far as you know when you're pitching against you know as as good as verlander was early you know you know every run is going to be crucial but you know he hung in there for us and then tony zick did a nice job bridging the gap and you know giving us a chance Uh, and that's what uh, the guys in the middle have done recently so um, our bullpen is getting taxed Uh, we saw eddie that's the first time eddie's ever gone four days Um, and and it was a little bit of a struggle so uh, he'll be down tomorrow but Big win tonight, you know. Nice come from behind, and you know, keep building on the momentum of that. Erland is a horse, and he can get up there and, and pitches. But did you feel like he got to a little bit running up the count? A well, bit? I, I did. You know, you don't have a hit. You know, it's not feeling great. You know, like the way he was thrown out there, I just thought if we could get him in the stretch, you know, get him off his comfort zone, and and we did. You know, again, Dyson made a great bunt, and you know, kind of took it from there, and um, you know, it. it can't say enough uh when you're facing that quality of a pitcher who's on top of his game you just have to hang in there hang in there keep grinding keep grinding and once we got him in the stretch we got you know some pitches that we could hit and you know we didn't kill the ball by any means against him but we got enough to to get it going and then get in their bullpen what does
1: that say to you i mean that guy was on his game you know what he's done and your team had the confidence
3: that we can get four or five runs at some point yeah it's uh, our our guys really believe in themselves, and, and they really start to trust the guy behind them, you know, and keep the line moving and, and pass the baton uh, type attitude, and, you know, and again, it, it's the the deep counts. You can't express it enough, and I know everybody wants to get out there and see him, us bang the ball off the wall or over the wall, but the quality that bats is really, really key. That's what makes it really tough offense. There's, and there's no weak links, you know, in the offense, and, and guys feel it, and they're feeding off each other.
4: Getting Segura back out there, obviously, keys things from the his- it,
3: it is, and I know he's not at 100%. I think you, you can kind of see that right now. But, uh, you know, his timing will be better uh, in the batter's box. He played in about three weeks. Uh, but, uh, you know, it, it's great to have him in there, and obviously. And, and Ben Gamble keeps doing what we see Ben Gamble do. Uh, really, really good at-bats again by him. And nice to see Hanager have a big night, too. Big home run, other good at-bat late in the game. So, um, you know, we got guys that we can move around a little bit in the lineup. Uh, it's it's a good spot. Guys are really the confidence. You can really feel it uh, in our dugout. Like I said, even down tonight, four runs like we were, you know, no quit. I just got to you know, put a little pressure on them, and, and we got it done.
0: Yeah, got it done. That was, that was a fun win, a fun night at Safeco Field. As the Mariners take the series, they get the win, and now – and they've gotten to this point a couple times trying to get over that five hundred mark, and they have a chance to do it. It won't be easy though. Andrew Moore will take the mound for the Mariners. His major league debut. We'll talk about him a little bit more in a moment. Daniel Norris will take the ball for the Tigers. Four and four with a four-four-two ERA. He's got good stuff. The lefty uh can pump it up to he sits about ninety-three miles per hour, especially from the left side. He's got Good stuff. He can be really nasty. Actually, his shortest start of the year came against the Mariners in late April. We only went four innings and allowed four runs and nine hits. Mariners went to work on Detroit that ball game, winning eight to nothing. But he's been pretty steady as of late. I mean, you kind of know what to expect. His last handful of starts go back to May 24th uh, in Houston, six and a third, one earned run punching out five. Then at Kansas City, five innings, three earned runs, striking out four. The Angels, six innings, three earned runs, fanning seven. At Fenway, five innings, two earned runs. And last start against Tampa Bay, six innings, three earned runs. He's been giving up some hits, mixing in some strikeouts. I mean, all his starts have been very similar Mariners would like to make it similar to the one that they faced him in, in late April. In that ball game, Guillermo Heredia hit a home run. I would imagine that Heredia will be in the lineup uh, tonight. Nelson Cruz hit a home run in that ball game as well. Sanchez came in out of the bullpen to relieve him. But man, Mariners trying to climb above 500. They're going to hand the ball to Andrew Moore who will be making his major league debut and he was in uniform last night and obviously very excited to be in the big leagues last
5: night after the game uh skip called me in at listatch and um told me i wouldn't be going to reno with him and i was like wait what i like, wasn't sure what was going on and then uh told me the news that i was coming up here and he wasn't sure exactly what was going on or anything but uh yeah i mean that's kind of the moment every ball player dreams of and then getting to call your family and tell them so that was pretty special
2: it has been a whirlwind season for you because that's not the first time that you've gotten the news that you are jumping up a level this year how do you kind of i guess make sense of where you are and not let it overwhelm you
5: yeah it's tough especially um you know once once you get close and you know you know you're up in AAA and um anything can happen it's it's kind of tough to you know just worry about getting better every day but um Lance Painter was good about that, and a lot of pitchers there of keeping everything in perspective and um, making sure every day you're putting your work in and um, just trying to become the best pitcher you can be. Hey, you already running the Tigers through your head? Uh, I watched them last night, and uh, yeah, tried to get a good Skyrim report, but uh, I think they uh, we have some people that are pretty good about putting scouting reports together too, so I'll, I'll trust what they say.
4: What's the thing that you've learned about yourself so far this year?
5: Um, just trust the work that you put in don't try to be a pitcher you're not where you know i'm not going to run up mid to high 90s up there i can't blow it by people so um you know just locating keeping them off balance and sticking to the you know what's gotten me here really that's kind of the message i've gotten every level i've gone up and I've heard it probably a dozen times today already, so I think that's kind of the main thing is, um, you know, just keep executing pitches, and that's, you know, all you need to do. How many tickets do you have to come up with for tomorrow? Oh, it keeps adding up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's going to get up there, but it's probably about 40 by now, I would say, so uh, it's the the one tough part about being from the Northwest,
2: I guess. <laughs> hey, what's this season been like for mean, you've, you've been pitching well. Do you, do, you, do you think ahead, or do you let yourself kind of think ahead, or you, you just...
5: Um, try to take it just one start at a time and um, you know especially in triple-a facing a lot of older hitters where they you know are really good about making adjustments it was cool facing older guys and you know every outing having something to take away and learn from it and uh, Lance Painter was really good about that Uh, we had some older guys like Machi and Mark Loeb who were good about uh, giving me bits and pieces of advice so it was cool having those veterans around that were willing to give information and help me out up watching this team and what's gonna be like to step out there. Oh, it's awesome. Yeah, I grew up going to games here and um now gonna be able to take the take the mounds there is gonna be awesome. So I'm um, just, just ready to get out there.
0: Five starts in Arkansas, eight starts in Tacoma combined this year, a two seven two ERA, eighty-two and two thirds innings. He's fan seventy seven. He's only walked 17 and allowed 66 hits in those 82 and two-thirds innings. I saw him pitch a lot uh, in the Pac-12 when he was the ace of the Oregon State staff, and he is not he's not overpowering. He's not going to blow anyone away, as you just heard him mention there, but what he has is pinpoint control. He can spot his fastball. He is a bulldog. He won't walk guys. He'll be around the plate. He's... A tremendous competitor. He is fun to watch, and I can't wait for his debut tonight. And it so happens that the Mariners will be trying to sweep aside the Detroit Tigers. So this should be a fun one tonight as the Mariners take on the Tigers. 7-10 first pitch. And then Felix Hernandez on Friday against the Houston Astros for three. What a great weekend that could be. So fun stuff. Mariners beat the Tigers. Now a big day yesterday as well, the Mariners signing their second round draft pick, the very talented Sam Carlson. Here's Scott Hunter talking about Sam Carlson, their second round pick.
2: He's a physical kid. He's six foot four, two hundred and fifteen pounds with room to grow in his body. Um, He's a kid that we think is on his way to uh, bigger and better things. I mean, he's already throwing 95. He's got a breaking ball. He's got a feel for a changeup, and there's still a lot of room to grow into into his body. And then, you know, we're never going to put a timetable on a high school kid, but he is uh, physically ready to go, and now just learning the baseball life and the pro lifestyle I think is uh, the next step for him. there were some guys that were scared some teams were scared off because of his commitment to Florida but it sounds like your area guy had a pretty good relationship with him and kind of knew that this was a yeah all the credit to Ben Coleman and Mark Loomis on this one and Ben is here he'll be here for you guys to talk to as well Um, that's a big thing that we talk about is you know not only athletes and tools but character and makeup and this is a kid from this is being my first year in uh, this role Uh, in January Ben reached out to me and said this is there's a kid I need you to see this year and I'm like who is Sam Carlson so the whole Process with Ben raising the flag in January really started things off. And when I saw him in March when they were in uh, Arizona for uh, their own high school mini camp, there were some things to like. And I said, Oh, let's make sure we stay on top of this kid for the rest of the year. And we had it, probably somebody this game for the next five or six starts, which spanned about six weeks. Were you surprised he was there at 55? Yeah, absolutely. And I told some guys the other day. Uh, you know, going into a draft my first year, you know, you have your you know, your plan, you have your backup plan. And for me being from Philadelphia and being pessimistic, I had three or four options of like, what if uh, this happened, what if this guy's not there, just depending on what other teams did. And Sam was in our contingency plan of uh, if one of the, if Evan White wasn't there, we were thinking about even taking Sam a little earlier. Um, and then to see him slipping in, in the draft, and I don't want to say slipping, it was not it was anything he did, but in the age of the bonus pool and signability, teams might have just backed off, already cut deals with other people, and we just saw an opportunity where we could uh, make a run at, at Sam. When a guy does drop down like that, is there that moment where you go, what do they know the that- we don't oh absolutely you go through it all but if it wasn't for my comfort level of what Ben Coleman did and and our staff in regards to knowing the player and knowing the kid that probably would have sunk in a little deeper Um, but as I was watching you know Jerry's face in the draft and about in the the 30s when Sam was still there I said maybe we should make a couple calls to the agent and he said go get him Um, and so the support from the organization Jerry uh, the other front office personnel and ownership was was beyond belief
0: so there it is, good stuff. Here's what uh, Sam Carlson, who was at the ballpark yesterday, had to say.
6: Feels amazing. Um, <laughs> it's been uh, it's been a long week and a half, and I'm glad about it here in Seattle, and I'm uh, very happy to be signed with this club.
2: Just like just been like this last week. I mean, playing games and dealing with this, and you know, a lot of stuff coming at you at once.
6: Um, I mean, I wouldn't say it's it was very hectic, but. Um, it's some. It's every, every kid dreams of doing it so uh, between playing high school baseball with my friends and then um, being drafted by the Seattle Mariners uh, it's been quite the experience
2: so What was it like at Target Field when you wanted to talk to Scott and some of the players and meet some of the guys that,
6: uh, It was awesome It was eye opening um, I got to talk to some guys uh, Mike Zunino played at Florida and uh, got some good advice from them and got to meet Scott And uh, It was quite the experience especially being a Getting to go to Target Field, I'm growing up watching the Twins play there.
0: All right. I think this has been a fun podcast so far. Of course it helps when you have a day like yesterday. So now we're going to talk to author Terry McDermott about his new book that I think you'll enjoy. I hope you enjoy this conversation, and we'll see you tomorrow. Well, now we get a chance to sit down with Terry McDermott, author of Off Speed, Baseball, Pitching, and the Art of Deception. And I'm really looking forward to this conversation. This is a fantastic book that I know baseball fans will enjoy. This is a must-read in particular from Mariners fans as well. So describe, this is very unique, how this book plays out. Describe yeah. this book and how it's written. Well, it was supposed to be a history of pitching. Uh-huh. That's how it was sold. And, and I wrote that book
4: which was harder than I thought it would be uh, for a variety of reasons and when I was done with it I didn't much like it which is a terrible thing to say after you spent a year you know working on this uh, a really terrible thing for my wife to hear because you're not making any money when this is happening uh, but it was just it, it just didn't come alive to me I mean and it's probably just a lack of skill on my part I couldn't couldn't do it I mean I've read historical, nonfiction works that just are vivid and I just it's, it, I just couldn't do it I don't know and there were a couple of little personal things in it and uh, I don't even know why they are in there because they kind of didn't fit but I, I was done so I sent it in to the editor and he says yeah it's okay I says, why don't you get rid of that personal stuff and send it back and, and I said nah man instead I got rid of two thirds of the book just cut it out and threw it away and loaded in a bunch of more personal stuff which then became more vivid, and it came, became a much different book. So now the book is about a third history of pitching. Uh, it's, it's divided into nine chapters, nine innings. Each inning is the history of one family of pitches. And the narrative structure is Felix Hernandez's Perfect Game in 2012. So, you know, nine, nine chapters, nine innings, nine pitches. And then, in addition to the story of the game, and the story of the history, there's this personal history of my fandom. Having been, I grew up in a little town in Iowa where uh, baseball was a main part of life. I mean, we had we didn't have any other sports. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had the town's shield, its flag, had a, a, a ear of corn and a baseball. On it. <laughs> I mean, there was a flag that ran down Main Street on nights when there was a game, baseball tonight. Oh, nice. I mean, it was just a a big thing. We had a town team. Everybody from 15 to 55 was on the same team. Every town had a team. Uh, And my dad was the general manager of the team. I mean, he had another job. That wasn't it, but volunteer, which meant making sure he had enough players, making sure the field was in shape which we actually meant I had to make sure the field was in shape right. as a kid. So I spent a lot of time at the ball ballpark uh, and, it was, and lo- loving it, you know, every minute of it. Uh, and that's where I grew up is like 10 minutes from where the, the field of dreams is. I mean, it really is this sort of magical era, area. And, you know, there's probably ghosts in the corn. Right. Uh, right. It's, a, it, it's weird. Oddly, it sounds idyllic. I left that town the... Minute I could. I mean, when I was 17, took the first bus out of town, uh, and yet took baseball with me. That was the one thing that that came along for the ride, and i never really thought about why that was, or, or, or and, and in doing this book, it made me think about that, sort of examine why I'm a fan. I, mean, I know I'm a Mariner fan it's because of Dave Niehaus. Yeah, Seattle was the first town I ever lived in that had its own Major League team. I've been a Yankee fan growing up and didn't really even like being a Yankee fan. Uh, so coming here was like a godsend. I discovered Niehaus and what's not to like, right? Uh, so fell in love with him more than and, and then and the team was there. And the team wasn't very good. Kind of a common thing. Uh, so. Uh, try to weave those three strands together to make into some sort of a story. Uh, so it's not just about baseball. It's about my father, Mac. It's about this little town. Uh, and it's about I. I what I came away thinking of why I took baseball with me is that baseball is the most social sport we have. Mm-hmm. Um, you can come to a game, you can actually have a conversation with somebody. Uh, you can you don't have to watch the whole game. People complain about the game being too long. I think it's the only thing we complain about having, getting more than we paid for, <laughs> right? Uh, but you don't have to. I mean, I watch every pitch because I'm an uh, Arden fan, but you don't have to. You can have a beer. You can take a nap. I've been at games where I've seen people napping. Then you wake up. When I first started coming to the kingdom, I moved here in 85. And I, bring, I had an infant daughter. She was like five months old. Mm-hmm. And, and we would get a seat in the bleachers in left field at the Kingdom, which was a horrible place. Uh, and we could take as much room as you want because there was nobody in the park. Right. And she could sleep. An infant could sleep through a game. I mean, it was just, you could hear, sitting out there, you could hear conversations behind home plate. It was bizarre. So by the time she got to first grade, she'd probably been to 150 games. <laughs> you know, and, and not aware of most of them. Uh, so, But that's what I mean. It's, it's a more communal experience. Uh, and
0: what's amazing with this book, when you describe Felix Hernandez in the perfect game, you really go in depth, I mean, pitch by pitch, and you weave it in with the different chapters and the pitches as well. And you take us behind the scenes. You talk to John Jaso, yeah. Felix catcher that day, Sam Fold, the outfielder on the Tampa Bay's team. How much work was it to really dive that deep into one baseball game?
4: Uh, it wasn't that hard. I mean, it was um, – uh, JSO was a huge help he spent a whole day with me in florida in the off season went down there and he just and he would and, you know Jaso's a curious cat you know he, he's uh he's not a typical baseball player he's you know he's, he rides a bike you know how many baseball players ride a bike he remodels his own house he goes hiking you know, he's just a—he's an odd duck, and he was never a, uh, a regular player anywhere. Always kind of a fringe thing. He finally got a contract. That all he was trying to do was play to, to make a spot the next year, and just wanted to string it out as long as he could. Now, you know, he'll probably, he's probably—he's probably set for life, which is good for him. But uh, he's a completely intuitive guy. And that year, he caught almost all of Felix's games, and. and I'm a big fan of the of the sabermetric revolution. Uh, Jaso is not, and neither is Felix. I mean, they don't. They paid literally no attention to it. It's all feel. It's all intuition, and that, that's why they worked so well together. I think. Uh, so he, he was. We, we watched the game together for a couple times. Went through the whole game, oh. pitch by pitch, uh, and would talked about why he called this, why he called that. So that was an enormous help. And then talking to the Tampa guys about what it was like to hit him. I mean, it, was, it gave me. It gave you an appreciation. I, mean, I discussed in the book that sort of the, the physics of trying to hit a baseball. It's a really hard thing. You got four tenths of a second from the time the pitch leaves the pitcher to crosses the plate. You have to decide to swing in the first two tenths of a second. That's is literally the blink of an eye. Yeah, I mean, and you really can't change after that. You've, you've committed. Think about that. I mean, the ball has gone. 20 feet, right. and, and your and your brain is made up of hypothesis about where it's going to end up, and like most hypotheses, most of them are wrong, <laughs> right? That's why you swing and miss. Uh, the ball is somewhere where you didn't expect it to be, either time or space, or sometimes both. Uh, so you're you're constantly guessing. Uh, every hitter who says they don't guess is lying because yeah. they, they do. Uh, it's astonishing they ever hit the ball at all. I mean, and there are people who study the game would think that it's kind of an accident when they square a ball up. I mean, don't tell that to any pitcher who's faced Nelson Cruz in the last three years, because that's no accident. Uh, It's a James Shield uh, pitcher. I don't know who he's with now. Maybe he's hurt, I think. But he's been a good pitcher for a decade. He wrote a nice memoir, and he says, you know, the thing about major league hitters is, I don't care if you throw 105. He says, if that's what you're doing, and they know it's coming. They'll take you to the moon. Yeah. You know, and they will. They they can they can get they can square up anything if they know where it's going to be. And so that's sort of the story of the, of the book or the story of pitching is, pitcher, is pitchers attempts to not let you know where it's going to be. So it's a constant invention or reinvention or rediscovery of pitches. They come in and out of fashion. I don't think I ever heard of a cut fastball until maybe 20 years ago or maybe 15 years ago. Uh, I'm sure it's been around forever because it's not. Uh, but until Mariano really, uh, Rivera, uh, popularized it, uh, you know, the split finger was the era before that. And that's not really any different than a fork ball. It just, it, but it went out of favor for a while and then it came back. there's constantly looking for new ways to deceive. And, and, you know, the great hitters fail two-thirds of the time. So the pitchers are succeeding generally.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Well, this this book is fabulous. I can't recommend it enough. Off-speed, Terry McDermott. I imagine people can can grab it anywhere. You can get it anywhere, yeah. yeah. Well, this fine. is great. This is a fun fun conversation. A great book, and I know American fans are going to love it. Thanks for the time. Really well, appreciate thanks it. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah,
1: it's great. See you later.